Welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond, where we share our experiences as well as stories from other Australians and a few international guests of learning, working with and using other languages. I'm Beck. And I'm Penny, and welcome to another episode of Language Chats. We are excited again this episode because we have another wonderful guest joining us, Fidesme Santos Aguayas from the Entree Pinais. Welcome, well Fidesz. done, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here, both of you. Thanks for inviting oh, me. We're thrilled to have you. So perhaps, Fidesz, before we we talk further about the entrepreneurs and your background maybe you could give us a little bit of an intro into yourself sure absolutely so I'll keep it short I mean I can go on forever but um, I'll keep it short (laughs) so hi everyone I'm Fidesme Santos Arguelles I am an independent business consultant venturing on my own as Fides and Associates after 15 years at City of Melbourne so local government something we share right Pen? That's right. Um, <laughs> I work, um, to su- my work supports small and big business and retail, hospitality, tourism and government. And I bring my abundant business acumen, industry connections and visionary thinking um, to my leadership role, co-founding the Entrepreneurs. Um, and the Entrepreneurs essentially are, we are a food loving entrepreneurial um, group of Filipinas working together to bring Filipino cuisine, culture and community to the hearts and minds and taste buds of Australians on Wurundjeri country. I love that and I love I love just the way that it's you know it's all about Filipino culture language food it's just you know it just combines everything that I love Yeah it <laughs> can does you, Can you tell us you know where did the idea come what does the name mean and yeah. what do you guys actually do yeah. So the entrepreneur, so the port is a portmanteau. So entree um, represents sort of obviously the first meal of uh, the first course of a Western meal. Pinay is another term for a female Filipino. So uh, the male version is Pinoy. So I guess for us, it's a reflection of, I guess, um, of our purpose is introducing um, a bit of our cuisine, culture and community to Australians. And so essentially, you know, we believe as a collective, um, you know, Philippine, the Filipino story is underrepresented in the Australian diaspora, despite being the fifth largest migrant community in the country. Um, and so I guess that's that problem statement, but I like to see it as an opportunity. Um, and so back in 20, I think it was 2017, um, I reached out to Grace Quinto, who's my co-founder um, via Instagram, as we all do. I mean, I think social media has really helped sort of connect um, us uh, and, and provide sort of the platform to reach out to um, to others. So I'm inspired by Grace's story. I mean, I've been following her for a while. Um, and she she puts together wonderful, um, inspiring, delicious um, recipes inspired by her late mother on Instagram. And so I thought I'd reach out to her. I was at a, a career crossroads um, at the time. And, you know, I guess my mindset was, you know, let's, I really want to do something around um Filipino food. I mean, I, I, although I've, you know, grew up in Australia for most of my life, um, Filipino food is, is a core part of, I guess, um, my growing up um, at home. And so, yeah, inspired by her posts, I reached out to her. We had a conversation. She didn't think I was too crazy, so she agreed to um, <laughs> catch up over wine and, and cheese, of course, over food, as you as as we do. Um, and we had a conversation around, I guess, um, our shared values, um, what inspires us, and really is a really about the conversation around food and Filipino food in general. So it wasn't until 
August 2018, where we actually launched the Entrepreneurs. Um, together, Grace and I, um, together with our colleagues and, and new members, um, Sandra Tan, our writer, media and content strategist, Maisie Lesiones, our visual designer and photographer, Feliz Sarsopuedes, who's our community um, lead, as well as Christina Narai, in, um, who's our events uh, lead, as well as hospitality um, curator as well. So all of us bring quite a um, complementary but um, unique uh, set of skills um, to really push forward our purpose and our vision. And really, I mean, our vision is, and it's, I guess our response to that problem statement about representation, is for Filipino cuisine, culture and community to be celebrated and represented in Australia and throughout the global diaspora. Um, and so our core purpose is really to combat any challenges and negative perceptions of our cuisine and culture. We want to contribute to Melbourne's reputation as a world-class gastronomic destination. We want to discover or rediscover our Filipino heritage and cement our Australian Filipino identity. We want to develop, connect and empower a global sisterhood of entrepreneurs and our allies as we recognise the importance of, you know, um, women of colour and representation um, with, this, with this group. And we want to lead and voice positive action for change. So, you know, community and food, you know, brought us together and that's really sort of our call to action in terms of what we've been doing since our launch in 2018 um, and up to now and ongoing. That's a fantastic mission, Fitters. A really, a really great thing to do, and so many good things in there um, in terms of community and being able to promote such a what is such a big group, really, yeah. um, in Australia too. Um, you mentioned your your Filipino background. Could you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up? with a Filipino background in Australia? Mm. Um, yeah, so we migrated in Australia. Some of those, um, my family, my sister and I and my parents migrated to Australia back in the early 80s, um, not knowing any word of English at all. So I was in grade one. My sister was starting grade two. Um, it was quite challenging. I mean, it was, you know, coming to a new new land and not knowing and not having sort of family and friends, although my parents did know um, a few families that they worked with that have migrated to Australia. So that really helped in terms of, you know, assimilating and just having a, a, a familiar sort of environment to, to start a new life, I suppose. Um, so we were, um, and there was quite a number of Filipino communities um, around the area where we grew up for the first five years. That was in West Brunswick. Um, and the schools were the schools was um, also nearby, but it was a really um, scary thing, I guess. You know, if you can imagine, sort of, you know, moving to a new country, not knowing any anyone at all, not knowing the language. So, so the first few formative years was quite challenging, but at the same time, we were so curious, um, and we we picked up the English language really quickly, um, and so to the point where my parents and and um, my parents were speaking to us in Tagalog at home, but we just wanted to speak English because we just wanted to assimilate and fit in, you know. Um, so this is really interesting. So we picked up the language really quickly and by the, you know, by the time we sort of um, reached high school, we were fully versed in the language. But it was really important, I suppose, with my parents to um, maintain a connection to our culture. Um, and so that's, I guess, that's sort of showcasing the values um uh, that they've instilled with us, but also in, more importantly as well through our food. And I think that's always been the consistent thing um, with us and up to, I guess, growing up, I, we did just want to sort of fit in the community. So there wasn't, for me, there wasn't sort of this um, 
except apart from the, my parents, there wasn't sort of this um, personal um, desire to, to I guess, be more upfront about my culture. I would, I, we just kind of just wanted to fit in, as a lot of Australians or Filipinos that come into Australia do. Um, it's not only until um, I've had my children and, you know, at this age, um, I'm in my 40s, um, that I'm really, they have really become curious about my heritage and culture. Um, and I think the, the fact that now being a mother um, and seeing my children not knowing the language has really sort of been a wake-up call for me. Um, and so I guess uh, through the work that we're doing with the entrepreneurs, it's, it's, it's community-led, but it's also very, very personal from my perspective. Do you think that's a common experience too, that, that that kind of celebration of culture and heritage and language and, and food even kind of hits people in midlife more than it does in younger life? Yeah, I mean, great. Yeah, absolutely. I think Grace and I, for sure, for sure. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, if, a share, if it's a shared sort of journey. But, I mean, I'm, we're finding that it really interestingly is through our events and whatnot that we are connecting with generations, second generation Australians. So I guess Australians who were born here, I suppose, right, but with Filipino parents. So who weren't necessarily, because I was born in the Philippines and moved here. So we're connecting to the second and third generation Australians in a way that I haven't seen before. Um, and so I guess through you know, our events, our conversations um, and all the activities that we do, it's really interesting to hear and see where the connections lie and sort of also having, you know, conversations with um, the community and where and their experiences as well. And we try to capture that in, in, different, in different ways. I mean, since we sort of launched the entrepreneurs, we've, we've sort of connected with so many amazing Filipinas and Filipinos, um, not only in Australia, but also overseas. Um, and there is definitely a shared experience in terms of assimilation, you know, adapting. But then now, I think more than ever, is, is holding to and learning about our identity and heritage. Um, but it also translates quite differently to different people. You know, what does being a Filipina mean or Filipino mean to you may not necessarily be the same it is, uh, as it is to others. So it's about acknowledging that everyone's journey is different, but there is a shared commonality in terms of um, our love of culture, our love of food. Um, and, you know, and food really it has become sort of our initial, is, is the gateway to these conversations and to these sort of curiosities, you know. Um, and that's why I think the work we do has been sort of, um, I guess, important in that we are sort of instigating important conversations. And sometimes, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't say that we know everything. It's it's a journey for us as well. We're learning and and growing at the same time. Um, but it's just enabling, I guess, those conversations to be had. You know, and also also unpacking some of the learning or conditions that we grew up with. You know, some of the things that my parents my parents would have taught me aren't necessarily what what I believe now given the things that I have discovered and read up on just based on history um, and certain you know certain sort of mindsets as well so I think it's um you know embracing the past um you know and being so curious about about I guess um where we are um and then looking at ways in which we could um contribute to the future um, especially for our children and next generation as well. That's such a nice way to, I mean, I feel like food is such a good way to get 
anyone interested and involved in another culture. Um, and so it's a great thing that you're doing, especially for the community, like the Filipino community within Australia. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed quite a bit of interest from also those who are not of Filipino background yeah, yeah. In, in what you're doing? Absolutely. And I think that's where we kind of differentiate ourselves. I mean, there are a lot of um, community groups. Um, you know, there's elderly groups. There's also very um, specific uh how can I say? Because um, you know, Australia, Philippines is is made up of eighty one provinces. Um, there's you know the big islands of um, Luzon. There's Visayas and Mindanao, and so each of those regions um, all have different sort of, um, I guess, ethnic groups, language. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have their own dialects. Like myself, I know Tagalog, but my parents also are from Pampanga, so they there's a dialect there called Kapangpangan, which they also speak. I understand, but I can't speak it, unfortunately. Um, so there are sort of a lot of community groups that are specific to each um, region in, in, in Australia. Um, but I guess from where we stand with the entrepreneurs, we, we acknowledge those groups, but we our approach is really about um, building representation, awareness and curiosity and educating people be outside our communities because if we're going to be um, shouting about our cuisine culture and community we want to bring non-Filipinos along for the journey as well Um, recognizing that there are allies out there that can that have voices and spaces that can help amplify our our messaging Um, and so we would since we you know since 2018 and that actually was the, um, I guess, the the catalyst for why we wanted to or why we connected Melbourne Food and Wine Festival um, because of their broad reach beyond just Filipino community. We wanted to be, we want Filipino cuisine to be on par with the other, other cuisines in Australia and Melbourne, right? So um, I guess for us, it's about bringing that to light um, and educating others who aren't so so aware or who don't know about our cuisine and culture and community. I mean, Filipinos know about our culture, cuisine, communities, but um, more so than non-Filipinos. But um, that's our purpose. That Our purpose is broader. And I think um, throughout this journey for the last two or three, so years, we have been so grateful um, and so, uh, yeah, just overwhelmed at times when when there's so much interest in, in what we're doing. Um, so, you know, being featured in the likes of Gourmet Traveller, for example, was kind of a dream like three or so years ago. But, um, you know, they've been really supportive of, of what we're doing, giving us the spaces to even, you know, we did a, a cook-up um, on their IG during the height of lockdown last year where we, we, we you know, across six kitchens, because obviously we're in lockdown, we cooked silog, which is the most sort of humble but most popular and, and um, beloved sort of dish that Filipinos know. Um, so it's been amazing just the response. And, you know, our work continues. We're always finding um, new connections as well as um, opportunities to really sort of, um, yeah, collaborate um, and, and always stay true, I guess, to our purpose. I think one of the things that I was kind of um, surprised about, you know, in doing a little bit of research for our chat today, mm-hmm. was that was that the Filipino um, community is the fifth largest yeah. um, migrant kind of group in. That's right. Was that in Australia or in Melbourne? Yeah. Mm. It, it, regardless, I was like, wow, that that is so much larger than I mm. probably would have guessed. Yeah. And in just in you talking about, you know, the different types of dishes and, and food and it makes me think 
and you've probably had this question and thought about it in your head many times as well before. Why do you why do you think or do you know why I guess why it hasn't Filipino, mm. yeah cuisine and culture isn't kind of more in the forefront of hasn't been more celebrated mm. in the past up until now is that something yeah I mean this is the we, we I get asked this question a lot and I guess everyone's got a their take on it but I mean there's it could be a number of um different you know pers- I guess yeah um narratives and and um and angles um one of the key ones that i resonate with is something around the the mindset of filipinos i mean if you think about philippines and the history of the philippines we were colonized over and over again by so many um you know by so many other countries um like the spanish and the americans um through the trade um route and so forth so and at the same time as 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 we're colonized by one country i mean obviously we would adapt that would bring in sort of certain um produce and whatever and we would adapt um uh, our own sort of way of cooking and things that we cook the recipes and what or whatever with with what they bring you know for example the americans brought in um you know spam for example the spanish brought in i guess the the various tomatoes and sweets and so forth sugar for example so that there are cuisine evolved over time in that way to the point perhaps because we've been calling so many times to the point perhaps where you know you know it was almost ingrained that our own food is not good enough and that um you know, as it evolved over time, it's it's almost lost its identity in a way because it has been sort of um, adapted so many times, d- depending on you know where we're at with um, whoever colonised our country. Um, so in a, in a in the same vein, I suppose, and also like you know, Filipinos are the biggest one of the biggest sort of um, exporters. Our labour, you know, uh, overseas Filipino um, workers are the biggest sort of cohort globally. Um, it's about like I was saying to you before, I mean, we just want to adapt. We just want to belong. We want to be part of the community. We don't want to stand out. Um, and I feel like maybe for a long time, that's kind of the mentality in terms of our cuisine as well, you know. So um, what was really surprising to us when we went down this, you know, journey is that there's so many amazing talent behind what, what I call back of house in many restaurants, you know, um, working behind the kitchen, working as an executive chef but under someone else's name, working, um, you know, behind major, you know, restaurants um, that are sort of, you know, five-star restaurants but you would never think there was a Filipino behind, um, you know, behind the kitchen. So I think um, there's a lot of, um, yeah, similarities around that is that, you know, we don't – we're not necessarily – you know, loud and proud would rather be sort of do our work, um, contribute, but not necessarily have to be at the front line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for us, one of the key things is really about celebrating who we are, being proud of the contribution that we make um, and being proud about it. Why can't we be loud and proud about it? I mean, we, we are the fifth largest migrant community, like you say, um, but also looking into some of the stats around, um, you know, Filipinos in Australia, um, so the ABS, for example, says, like, so 32% live in New South Wales, 25% in Victoria, 20% in Queensland. Um, we are the, this is based on the Australian Migration Program, 2019-20. So indicates the significant contribution to and presence of Filipino migrants in the Australian economy. So um, we're the largest migration group in the whole APAC region into Australia. We're the third largest um, employer-sponsored group, which is interesting because I didn't know this, so this is all very new to me. We're the third largest total skill stream, so registered nurses, motor mechanics, software and application programmers, structural 
and Cooks. Um, and obviously in, uh, and also we're the eighth largest international student group. Um, and that's been, that's grown from what I think 18th we were in 16, 17. So there's a lot of amazing talent um, and skilled people in, in Filipino Australians. Um, I just feel that it's time for us to sort of be proud of who we are and be loud and proud about it. And so we're hoping that through our work that we are showcasing that and we're providing the opportunity for Filipinos to do the same and be confident about who they are and what they bring and that there. And and basically we are, um, that we can sort of bring and be part of the, you know, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like as a, it, from a dining perspective, you know, we have a place on the global table right mm -hmm. so but it yep. starts with us um so it starts with the filipinos being uh courageous and confident about what we bring um and not and not applying the crab mentality i don't know if you've heard about this thing but it's a very common thing within filipinos a little bit like the tall poppy syndrome so we call it the crab mentality because you know when you see crabs <laughs> yeah if you visualize what yep. crabs do <laughs> Sometimes it happens a lot. Special. Yeah, it happens a lot in the Filipino community. And I think that's that's really a key part of our downfall, you know. Um, like you go into a restaurant, like we've, we've had so many events, um, you know, Filipino food-focused um, events. And, you know, I suppose the older generation would, would critique um, the dishes, you know. Oh, my, you know, I can cook better than this. Or, you know, my Lola or my grandma or my mother or my auntie cooks better than this. So if we... If we are the ones actually criticizing our own people, then you know what's what's the um, what's the chances of anyone else sort of helping us and supporting us? So I think it needs to start with us, you know, changing the conversation, changing the narrative, um, and and supporting each other. And so that's what we call the Bayanihan spirit, and that is sort of our our core sort of um, I guess the, our our approach and mentality. So Bayanihan is very much about community, um, raising each other up supporting each other um, and being there for each other, you know, because together, collectively as a community, if we're supporting each other, we rise together. So that's a really, um, for us, is a really important part of what we do and it's always been the essence of of the things that, uh, our approach to to what we do. There's there's so much in there. There um, is so much in there. I mean, I, I <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I really like how and enjoy how you talk about needing to be like loud and proud yeah. and and then really getting out there to to I think you know advocate for yeah. your for your culture and for your community and for your your background and for the food and for everybody to be wanting to support each other because I think that that's something like it's it's really great to hear you talk about this because I think a lot of other people um of other migrant backgrounds in Australia would really identify with what you've just mm, described absolutely. I don't think that's at all um you know sort of specific to the Filipino community I think that there are lots and lots and lots of migrant communities that would have that same kind of feeling yeah. of you know wanting to be proud of their of their background but at the same time having you know this little bit of maybe tall poppy syndrome maybe mm -hmm. it's you know just just the feeling of wanting to initially adapt yeah and to you know make not make yourself too sort of not draw too much attention, attention to exactly, yourself yeah, yeah exactly because everyone just wants to fit in yeah exactly but at the same time I guess what we're so lucky to have in in Australia is this beautiful diverse community of mm -hmm. people of so many different backgrounds and and we really do I think we really value that but more and more now that you know sometimes we are looking at more sort of second 
third generation mm-hmm. um, people from these communities too, people are looking to find that feeling of community again. Yeah. They're wanting to make sure that they can still enjoy the things that they kind of took for granted from their grandparents, I think, yeah. when they were growing up, you know, or their parents. Um, and so, yeah, what you're doing is is really wonderful because it, it, it is good to support that feeling of pride mm-hmm. among a community in a very diverse place. Correct, correct. But it's also, yeah. I mean, we talk about food, but when we talk about community, it's also about identity. You know, um, mm. one of the key things is, you know, is 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 our skin colour um, and common to not just Filipinos, but I guess a lot of Asian countries is wanting to be um, lighter in skin colour. Um, and so part of our, I guess, advocacy is about being loud and proud, um, especially being, you know, brown skin, um, because that represents who we are and, and you know, and it, we should embrace it. And it's, um, we recently partnered with a designer, um, Leslie Mobo, uh, who's based in London, but he, um, his art featured um, the Indigenous women uh, called Eta in um, his hometown. He, he went to Philippines for a holiday, but he got stuck there during lockdown. So he took beautiful, he, he designed these beautiful tradition, uh, not traditional, but he designed these beautiful um, clothing dresses called Terno and he draped them and, and dressed the local um, Eta ladies in his community in them, took photos of it and it went viral. Um, and it was, you know, beautiful dark-skinned women um, dressing these beautifully bright colours and we have them on our, our website. But um, we, it was, for, for us, it was like it really resonated with us in terms of, you know, embracing the heritage of the design of the terrenal, but also recognising that beauty and the empowerment and the pride that you can have as a Filipina, whatever that means to you. But in these photos, it represented um you know, the Eta community, our Indigenous history, our brown skin. Um, and it, for us, it was sort of a, like we just, with you know, because of this, we reached out to Leslie and we said, we really want to, um, you know, access these photos and have these photos um, in sort of a limited print run of um, like art prints for people to purchase so that they can then, you know, and this is kind of the reason why I wanted it is thinking about my daughter. I want her to see Filipinas in all their glory, um, brown skin and all, you know, in 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 spaces that we would normally perhaps, you know, see, a, you know, other non-Filipinos, right? So in the home, why would I, I – like I, I've actually got one of the prints here um, waiting to be sort of framed, but I want her, I want me, I want my family to see, um, you know, the pride that we have as Filipino. I think this and these photos represent this and we want to have that um, same sort of messaging and narrative to share with the next generation. And it could be just simple, simply as through these limited art prints that really celebrate Pinoy pride um, and proud to be Filipino, you know. So when we say loud and proud, it's, I guess, all-encompassing, um, you know, and, and a cuisine culture community kind of does that, but then, you know, ingrained underneath that are sort of the, the identity we have as Filipinas as well. It really is all-encompassing, isn't it? There's so many elements there to are. what you guys are doing, and I, I really love that. Mm. Um, but as you mentioned before, that you grew up speaking Tagalog. Mm-hmm. Tagalog. Tagalog, yeah, go on. Tagalog. Tagalog. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, I know there are heaps of languages in the Philippines, yes. but Tagalog is really, I guess, the most well-known yeah. language. And um, 
probably the most widely spoken, especially by the diaspora. Is mm-hmm. that correct or roughly correct? <laughs> the Gullock is actually like this is my research. This is, this is my back research because um, in preparation for our conversation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Tagalog is where Filipino language was derived from. So in a way, you can think of Tagalog as a root language of Filipino. Right. So mm-hmm. in a sense, the Filipino language is just an upgraded 2.0 version of Tagalog. Um, you know, and Tagalog, like you say, well, Filipino and Tagalog are the two major languages that you hear of and cause the most confusion, actually, because, you know, what's are they the same or are they not? Um, there are other languages of the Philippines, and I think it's, it's a, a really good segue into recognising um, the various ethnicities of the Philippines, which then leads to the various differences in um, language, identity, culture, and history, right? So Filipinas come from the from various Austronesian um, ethno-linguistic groups. So currently there are about 185 groups in the Philippines, each of its own language, identity, culture, and history. The largest Filipino ethnic groups include the Tagalog, and they're all and they're obviously related to or connected to the area in which they um they're based right so Tagalog, Cebuano which is you know people from Cebu, Ilocano, uh, Bicolano, Kapampangan which is the one which my parents are in Pampanga which is part of Luzon, Maranao, Magindao and Tosug um, which half of these I don't even know but uh, it's it's recognizing that um, where the regions and and the languages that come come with it um, and then when you consider 7,000 plus islands, the 18 regions, the 81 provinces within the Philippines, it kind of makes sense that we have so many. Um, but essentially, uh, yeah, Filipino, I guess, is yeah, is the sort of upgraded version of um, of Tagalog. Um, it's it's quite, um, I guess, it's the national language, recognised national language. Uh, words can be spelt on how locals pronounce it, though, you know. Um, for example, if uh, the word the English word driver can be spelt as driver, D-R-A-Y-B-E-R, just like how most locals pronounce it. Um, and then another example is computer. So Filipinos often spell it as computer, K-O-M-P-Y-U-T-E-R. Um, mm-hmm. So yep. the Tagalog is specific. Um, it's more related to sort of a specific dialect, um, whereas the Filipino is more sort of a nationalistic, more... Um, uh, yeah, a more nationalistic sort of um, language. Um, Tagalog, aside from the Tagalog words, there were also words borrowed from the Spanish and English languages thanks to the colonisation by the Spanish and Americans. Um, and then the other really interesting thing that I found about our language is, um, you know, there are Tagalog words that can be found in Filipino, but there are few, very few words that are not present in the Filipino sentence um, or language, um, since Filipino is simply the standardised version of the Tagalog language. Um, it's a bit more lenient with its structure and rules to build a sentence. Um, and so the Filipino language is much more open to words from Western languages, including English and Spanish, which is, um, which is really interesting, whereas Tagalog could be fairly specific um, and I've read a few sentences that compared Tagalog and Filipino um, Tagalog there's certain words that I don't even understand <laughs> whereas Filipino <laughs> because it's more of a standardized version it's more sort of um, yeah, it's just it's from our perspective anyway so it's a really yeah. interesting oh, yeah super interesting yeah super yeah, interesting it really is and Kapampangan for example I mean I I my parents speak to me in Kapampangan or my uncles um, but I can't 
understand it, but I grew up with it. Um, and so that's the specific dialect for that area where my parents my parents um, grew up or live in, in the Philippines, Pampanga. So do you respond in English normally? Or? Yeah, and that's a <laughs> very, that's like a very common thing. Like, you know, a lot of, um, yeah, so we, we understand in, we understand Tagalog, we understand Kamampan, but we would respond in English. I'm trying to yeah. now, um, cause I've taken up some Filipino languages, um, uh, you know, sort of a few classes and I'm trying to be inspired, um, and sort of put myself out there and speak up, um, to when we have conversations with my my parents, my relatives, um, to try and uh, speak Tagalog. Kapangpangan might be a bit more challenging, but at least Tagalog. So we'll have a game. We'll have like, you know, for the next hour, you can't speak English, you have to speak Tagalog. And I, it's probably the most quietest that people would hear me <laughs> because <laughs> I'm so like, yeah, restricted in terms of how much I know. But, um, but I'm trying. <laughs> in some... When you were growing up and, I mean, and through the 80s and, and through the 90s, mm. were, were, there, were there Tagalog kind of community centres or language schools for kids? I mean, I'm thinking of other kind of yeah. communities which, you know, that that is a big deal. Yeah, no, I'm, I think there were. Like I think when I started in primary school, um, I had a – actually I was fortunate enough to have my classroom teacher as Filipina um, and she had Filipino languages but I'm – but I don't actually think I took it because um, I knew Philip Tagalog then. <laughs> um, so I didn't really think yeah. I needed it. Um, but then in primary mm. school, high school, because you have Italian. And I think what was the other one? Italian was actually very common. And then high school was French and Italian. Um, but nothing else. So I only came across, I think there has been though. I just, I just haven't, hasn't, haven't been aware of them. Um, yeah. But in the recent times, um, there has been... Um, the Filipino Language School um, in Melbourne that was supported by one of our um, colleagues, Otrepinay uh, Felisa Sopreda. So they're offering virtual or online language classes for two specific um, dialects, so Tagalog and Cebuano. Um, and that's been really popular. So we're seeing the first semester that I signed up, it was just seeing um, even non-Filipinos or you know, Filipino Australians married to non-Filipinos jumping on board and learning the language was so encouraging for me and so excited about it. Um, even my, I was like struggling when we came to the numbers. I'm like, I'm so confused. <laughs> but, uh, but I think um, initiatives like that really help, um, you know, support, I guess, advocacy in uh, through language and, and learning more about, um, yeah, I guess, a heritage in through language. Um, and I didn't even realise this, but there's a what we call the Buan Nangwika, which is National um, Language Month. Um, and so it happens every August. Um, and a lot of the, is observed in a lot of countries, um, and a lot of activities happen. So our connections with the Philippine Embassy here in Melbourne, um, you know, put together a, a virtual um, event um, where we talked about language and I you know I'm, honestly I did not understand probably 80% of what they said but I was in tune I was curious and I yeah I just wish they had a translation and I for me it was like a wake-up call like um, I really need to do more about um, learning about my my language but I think we're using those um, the, these new these initiatives that are led by other organizations to really sort of in, create impact in what we do as well so um we have launched a online marketplace called mercado by the entrepreneurs um in 
we launched that last year during lockdown, a key component of that. So we're offering sort of minimal, meaningful must-haves that are Filipino, um, you know, products across pantry, um, home, lifestyle and learning. So learning is a key one for us and we're, we're aiming to bring in, um, uh, curate a range of books, both for adults and children, um, that promote language learning. Um, as well as culture. So we're hoping that through that avenue that we are able to do more work and promote, um, I guess, all the good work that all, everyone else is doing in promoting lang- the Filipino language and our dialects. That's fantastic. Yeah, that really is. Mm. Yeah, so good. Um, Fides, it, it, so to bring together, I suppose, our, our discussion here about language mm. and also food, because I know it's a very, very important part of what you do. Yeah. Um, could you share with us some of the like key, maybe some key dishes that you would recommend to anyone who's listening um, and, you know, how we correctly pronounce some of the names of those? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many dishes. Um, okay. I guess the, I guess one of the most, um, maybe one, one, one really good one to start off with is maybe adobo. A-D-O-B-O. So adobo is a way of cooking, but it's also the name of a dish. So adobo is simply um, uh, vinegar and in some parts, I guess, there's so many iterations as well, depending on which region. But the way we cook it, my family cooks it, is we use vinegar, um, soy sauce, um, you know, whatever protein you wish. So it's whether it's pork or chicken um, and you kind of simmer it down in, in the vinegar. Um, and then we, once the, the meat is cooked, then um, we saute it in garlic and, um, and onions um, and then put it back into the pan and, and let it sit there. And you wait for like, you wait for it for a day Um and then eat it the next day on, on you know, freshly cooked rice with some green veg- vegetables as well. So in ter- so that's the dish. So it's a really good introduction dish. Um, and we've used that for a number of um, even virtual cooking masterclasses that we did for a corporate gig um, mm-hmm. because we thought that it, it, it also it highlights the uh, – acknowledges the different varieties um, that – and ways in which adobo can be cooked um, by different regions, so depending on what you, what you know recipe you follow. But it also acknowledges the um, what's the what's what I'm looking for the ingenuity of the of Filipinos in that the use of the vinegar is actually a way to um, preserve food. Um, so back back in the day where you know there was you know people don't necessarily have kitchens or ovens and so forth. So they used vinegar as a way to preserve food and make it last longer. Um, so it's an ode to really that ingenuity that Philip and the resilience of Filipinos in in how they they cook um, and what mm-hmm. they cook as well. So um, that's a good one to try out. Adobo. So we, we can definitely share some really great recipes around that. So Yasmin Newman, for example, an Australian Filipina, she's got a, a great recipe as well as um, Nicole Ponseca. But there's a lot. I mean, if you look, you do a Google search, there's a lot of versions of it. So, um, and like I said, every household has their own version of adobo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so feel free to, uh, yeah, just try whichever one that you think resonates with you. Um, so that's one. What else is there? I, th- I guess there's lots of um, flavor profiles of Filipino food. Is There's the sweet, there's a sourness, which is that the vinegar, which I thought about. But there's also the calamansi, which is a souring agent. It's a Philippine lime, very similar to kumquat and mandarin and whatnot and lemon. But it's... um. We use it to, um, uh, in, you know, add that 
acidity to food, but also use it for um, what we call salsa one. So we can mix that with vinegar, we can mix that with soy sauce um, as a way, as a condiment as well. But the calamansi is, um, can be used as in drinks and, and whatnot. Whatever you use for with lemon, you can mm-hmm. use calamansi. Can um, you get so, calamansi in Australia? Yeah, it was interesting. No, not not. Um, it's not. I'm pretty sure that uh, Filipino households in their backyards will have a mm-hmm. calamansi like ours. Like we have uh, a 35 year old calamansi tree in my backyard um, that my dad planted um, when we first, um, yeah, when, when we moved to this house. Um, but it's not commercially available, and so that's an interesting mm-hmm. um, segue, actually, Penny, because. Kalamansi for us, it, it represents the migration story as well as the unique benefits for that we, you know, um, in cuisine um, as well, and the opportunities around around what Kalamansi can bring to um, new products and innovation and health and wellness. Um, but it's also aligned to the different migrant stories that we and journeys that we came um, that everyone sort of experienced. So we're hoping to capture that in a in a in a publication of somewhat but we're also integrating that in various events as well so calamansi as a souring souring agent there's a sweetness as well i guess with the you know um we use coconut and whatnot um there's the um ube which is that purple yam um mm-hmm. and it's i think it's tutored as the um a superfood have you seen sort of the purple purple based food where they've used they've had ice cream we use for ice cream um but then also a lot of sort of bakes as well like a tarot it's kind of like a tarot yeah but it's bright purple um so uh yeah so that's that's kind of um aligned to the sweet sort of flavor profile the um coconut milk as well as the muscovado sugar um so Mm -hmm. you'll find some dishes that uses those Uh, there's quite a lot of them actually a lot of um desserts and then the salty flavor profile so we've got um fermented shrimps which is called bagoong and obviously we've got the um the fish sauce are called patis as well so they're used quite abundantly in various dishes depending on on what but um but the three flavor profiles of filipino food is the salty the sour and the sweet Um, and you'll find that a lot of the dishes and recipes um has a base of one of those Um, so that's a nice sort of um I guess background in terms of the the flavor profiles of Filipino cuisine, <laughs> yeah. But adobo would be a good one to try off. Try. What about mm. spice for this? Is that is chili and, and spice a, a, a not so much? Not I mean, so we're not. Um, yeah. I think it depends as well, right? So, in terms of the cuisine I grew up is very much folk is very much Luzon focused. Um, but obviously down south in Mindanao, um, where their uh, their dishes are do integrate more spices because um, I guess. I guess it's it's based on heritage and culture and and the the produce that grows in abundance around the area. So, um, but for the dishes that I'm familiar with, not so much. We do use the you know, the red chili, the bird's eye chili, for um, a few dishes, but primarily in condiments. But even also um, spicing up um, vinegar, for example. So, you know, my dad would have lots of chilies he grows in the garden. He'd get a bottle of vinegar and he'd put a whole lot of chilies in there and he just lets it, um, uh, not, not so much ferment, but he'd just, um, just to flavour it. And then over time you get this chilli vinegar, a bottle of chilli vinegar, and then he uses that for condiments and so forth. So 
And then we add chili to, you know, as a side thing. So not so much in dishes that I'm familiar with. Um, but Bicolano dish, um, the Bicol Express, which is down, a dish from down south, um, uses a lot of chili. Um, so I was, I didn't grow up with Bic- Bicol Express, but um, that uses a lot of chili. So yeah, it just depends on which regions. What's the Bicol Express? Bicol Express, yeah. Bicol Express. <laughs> yes. it, sounds like, it sounds like a journey. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would be a journey of different levels of heat, I think, chilli heat, <laughs> depending on what kind of chilli you put in there. Um, yeah, so I think, um, I mean, there's, there's some really great recipes on SBS food. Um, you know, Yasmin Newman has um, put forward some, some great dishes there. Um, we've got a few there as well featuring calamansi. Um, but, yeah, I think there's there's so many sort of avenues that you can sort of um, source some really great recipes. And obviously you can um, have a look at our In My Cucina segment on Instagram Live where we invite um, chefs and cooks to share their favourite dishes in the kitchen. So there's a few really great recipes there to try out and um, with sort of the, the recipes and how to cook with the videos to go with it as well. So I'd invite people so to, awesome. to jump on there. Thank you for Des. Oh, wow. I'm feeling hungry and all kinds of <laughs> things right too. now. <laughs> I know it's about dinner time. So. <laughs> yeah, almost is. Almost. Um, we have talked a lot in our chat with some really great um, links and, and places that people can find out some further info. So we will do our best to include all these links great. in the show notes as well yep. so that people can um, delve a bit deeper. Mm. Is there anywhere that you'd like to specifically mention where people can find out a bit more about you, about Filipino culture, language and cuisine? For sure. We'd love to um, for people to follow us on our journey on entrepreneurs.com, um, our website. Our Instagram um, account is at entree.pinize um, and that's probably the most um, active, where we're most active, a lot of content there um, where we share uh I guess, our journey through the cuisine, culture, community activities that we do. Um, and then I would also like to invite people to jump on mercado-market.com, which is our online marketplace, just to have a, um, I guess for us, it's an initiative that came out of um, COVID, but it's a way for us to connect, I guess, um, Filipino designers, makers um, to meaningful must-haves that supports, you know, uh, dreams, livelihoods, and communities. Um, so each purchase is a buy for good. There's there's um, some amazing, meaningful must-haves there across pantry, home, lifestyle, and learning. Um, and like I said before, we hope that we can bring in some more great books on the for the learning component there, and invite others to uh, to connect with us through those channels. Oh, thanks very much, Fides. We really appreciate you giving up your time to chat with oh, us it's today. Been amazing. Thank you so much. I feel like we haven't even <laughs> yeah. touched the surface. I know. I know. <laughs> but I hope that um I hope that you know I've I've provided some some really great um information there and obviously you know welcome anyone who wants to connect with us to get in touch um as part of what we do is really about you know raising curiosity and sharing um more about our work um and and to champion Filipino cuisine culture and community in Australia. And thank you so much it. for having me, Penny and Beck. It's been oh. fun. Our pleasure. <laughs> Our pleasure to speak with you. And we will make sure that all of the um, links to where to find you, as well as some of the things that have been mentioned, will be in the show notes. So do have a look there um, in case you, you know, can't find it elsewhere. Um, but we'll make sure that you can all link to those places um, in the notes. Um, and otherwise, if you do want to find out any more about 
um, about us, what we do, about Language Lovers AU, then you guys know where to find us. Um, we are at languagelovers.com.au um, and also you can find us on Instagram too at languagelovers.au. And if you know anyone who might love this episode, please feel free to share it with them and we will catch you again in another fortnight. Thanks for this. Wonderful. Thanks, Thank you, guys. <laughs>